Y'all, Garrett was in the hospital this week and asked me to fill in for him. And I just don't know what to say, because I thought, I'll talk about the fandom of Digimon and educate myself a little, because I'm clearly only a passing... I guess I'm a fan of the series at this point. And so I decided to look through the new hub of Fanworks, archive of our own, and within three clicks, I don't know which has hit me harder. The fact that there is Angel Cop fanfic in our year 2019, or the following sentence. Ken has been mute since she was little. Ken has trouble making friends, even with her brother being a celebrity. Ken wonders if the chosen children would be her friend when they are forced to work together to save the world from the Kaiser, or would they treat her the same way that everyone else does? Femken slash Rio, Australian Digimon Adventures 02, Exros Wars. Great things you heard are true. Great things you heard are true. start going places really quick. I'm not even halfway down the first page out of one of 13 different categories of Digimon stories, and a lot of people seem to like the World Tour arc because there's a lot of adventure Australia here. One of which includes tags like alternate timelines, Mpreg, a timeline without Digimon, Ice skating, Olympic medalist, overprotective brother, family bonding. That went a lot of places without me even opening it. And this is kind of why I have not engaged in fan works for years. I mean, there was that aborted thing that I started writing early on in this podcast's life. But holy crap, y'all, this is a whole other level. This, this episode is probably going to be punctuated with a lot of jumps or cuts as I just start looking around. And maybe sometimes I'll read things if I find them, but holy crap, there's a 9-11 truther fic here. I don't know what to say. Nine crests, 11 digimentals. What is the secret of the chosen children? What? Wild... Uh, I was going to try reading this one, but I'm not nearly as good at Korean as I thought I was. Sorry. Waiting on the Warmth by Pied R. Piper Yamato is a very bad date. Daisuke, meanwhile, excels. It exceeds logic, to the point that he feels a headache coming on strong just at the sight of the pair, folded over their table so closely entwined they might as well be part of the decor. It fit, actually. The entire shop is rather kitschy, if not downright offensive, a mashup of pastels and florals and gushing art deco adverts fixed into ornate picture frames. The menu isn't any better. Everything has sugar, including the coffee, 
and asking for a cup without some kind of confectionery addition is evidently not done around these parts, the barista returning such a blank look of incomprehension that Yamato had been forced to take the first thing he could read off the cursive menu, a cinnamon-brown sugar latte that he still can't bring himself to drink. It's cold now, and he puts his face in his hand, the pads of his thumb and his middle finger making small, slow circles to either temple. His eyes are shut tight, which is why he doesn't see her plop down in the spare seat at his table until it's far too late to do anything about it. You're not a very good spy, decides Mimi, opining in that unasked-for sort of way of hers. He keeps his eyes closed and keeps massaging his head. I'm not spying. Well, not right now, she agrees. Right now you seem to be in the telekinetic part of this plan to, what, one-up Taichi on overprotective brother of the year? He asked me to drive him, says Yamato, upset mostly by his offering up any further detail at all. How she gets him to do this, he still hasn't figured out. He thinks she'd be quite good at extraction, but abysmal at retention if she were the spy. Mimi swings a leg over the other, her wedge heels a hair's length from socking him in the kneecap. You could have said no. Except they both know he couldn't have, and wouldn't. All Takaru had to do was breathe, and Yamato would be there. Extra soft tissues, cough suppressant, nasal spray, and fresh honey for the soon-to-follow cup of tea at the ready. She's sitting now not with her back to the frame of the chair, but her hip, turned so that she can very obviously observe the two of them where they still cuddle up in the corner, their own backs facing the rest of the cafe. Takaru's talking non-stop, animated, cheerful, and Daisuke's looking at him like there couldn't be anything else in the world meant for his ears but this. She tucks a chin in her palm, smiling. They are pretty cute. He means to agree, but it comes out like a grunt, raspy. <coughs> it's not that, he clarifies quickly when she glances at him, incredulous that he might dare disagree with so plain an assessment. It's just, he's good. Who, Daisuke? She nods, answering herself. Oh, I agree. That smile, those eyes. And he's got that stupid cute thing going for him, too. Makes you want to put him in your pocket and carry him around with you all day like a little toy dog. Yamato does not relate to this in the slightest, but at least the general direction of the comment matches his original point. He looks to the pair in the corner again and can't pin it down, exactly, what it feels like to see his brother made happy in a way he still can't seem to work out for himself. I know it's not luck, he says to himself again, or maybe to her but I don't know what else it could be. Mimi studies him, chin tilted just so. I have a thought. When do you not? Strike one, Ishida. She scoots her chair closer, bending her knees so her ankles cross together under her seat. It's like she's about to share a covetous secret, or otherwise break some sobering news, her hands so neatly folded as they are over each other on the tabletop. Dating is hard work. You're building to something, if you want to do it seriously anyway and you can't build something on a weak foundation. He suspects, without much further prodding, that the implication is he's the weak foundation, and he ought to be cross with her again. Only he isn't, and can't, because he agrees. He sits back, looking anywhere else but at them, or at her. I don't find it easy to open up to people, he says, as though this might be information that she hadn't heard before, especially on dates. Yeah, I know, she says, rolling her eyes. What do you know? he asks, puzzled. She stares at him, smile frozen. You're not serious. Yamato just stares right back, and she gasps, mouth and eyes in perfect circles. I I'm sorry, I'm not going to do the laugh. It's the oh-ho-ho-ho-ho. Ho, ho. Yeah, I can't do that. We're just trying everything possible to barrel right over strike two, aren't we? 
She slams a fist on the table, violently shaking the latte cup on its saucer and making him jump in his seat, along with everyone else in the open plan room. Ishida, you were my first date. Are you seriously telling me you don't remember? In junior high? The ice cream parlor after the school trip to the skating rink? She's screeching now. Am I that forgettable to you? Like quicksand, he's gone, sunken dumb. A beat later, he mumbles, quite honestly, that was a date? The anger dissipates so suddenly he suspects it never really had to crystallize as such. Instead, she falls back in her chair, laughing. See? This is what you do. You spend all your time lost in your own head. Come out into the light sometime, okay? She motions with her hands, miming for him to come closer. Or the dark. We have fun on that side, too. And she winks, giggling. Yamato shakes his head, more at himself than her shameless gaiety, and steals another glance at Daisuke and Takuro in the corner, who barely mows the spectacle she's making. He drags his gaze back to her, determined not to become preoccupied by them. You're telling me you've never had a bad date? She sees right through the attempted diversion, but can never pass up the opportunity to talk about herself. Everyone has to take the good with the bad. Including me, she adds, as though admitting something truly egregious. On our first date... Taichi showed up 40 minutes late, without any shoes, and wearing what I am now pretty sure was Koshiro's underwear. Yamato takes great care not to spend any time thinking about how she'd come to know such a thing, or indeed how she'd know the difference in either's intimate apparel. He defers the conversation before it can make his blush more apparent. Yeah, I've heard the story. Not all of it you haven't, she says, and he braces himself, grimacing, but her eyes are warm and soft. It was prom, and my actual date hadn't shown up, so Taichi did. I still don't know how he knew, but all that matters is he did. She sighs, dreamy. So no, dates don't always have to be good. But they do need to be meaningful, in whatever way only the right person can make them. But Yamato has already accepted this. That's never been the issue. Intuiting the look on his face, Mimi reaches across the table and covers his hand in hers. You'll find yours, Yamato. His wrist turns instinctively, so their palms touch, and she can better curl her fingers through his. And if I don't? She squeezes back, smiling with the clearest of eyes. Then I'll shrink you down and carry you around in my pocket. He makes a face. Jesus, that really does sound awful. Maybe slaps his palm, sticking out her tongue. Strike three. Apto Precure Insertion Hagyu the Apley drivers and Precure end up swapping bodies and still have to jump into actions amidst that awkward situation. Chapter 1 Y'all, there is a lot of Portuguese fanfic for Aplymon. Uh, I just got a message from Fiona that says, Please let your listeners know that I tried to talk him out of this, but he did not listen. I'm so sorry. So I come from the bad old days of fanfiction.net, so the tag system on this site is a little wild to me when I see fics that have tags like, maybe, but I'm a dumb gay, so whatever. Also, I'm the only person who ships this, but who cares? I love them. Aplimon. Horror. Cannibalism. Canon-typical violence. Psychology. Friendship versus Hunger. Digimon Dawn Dusk Remake Challenge? I need to try Digimon Dawn Dusk, because man, that sounds like my sort of game now.
Oh my god, are Digimon Dawn and Dusk the Digital Devil Saga of the Digimon series? Sweet. It took me 17 pages of Digimon fanfic to get to the first interspecies romance tag. It was with Hackmon. Welp, guess I know how Atmon ends now. Thanks, fanfic title. Cool. The spoiler alert is placed after the title. I didn't need to know about the funeral of X. I don't know how to feel about the fact that I learned there was a 3DS game based on Atmon from an Mpreg fic. Cool. Boy, a lot of people like to have Mimi emasculating Yamato in some fashion. Holy shit. I guess this kind of tracks with Garrett and Kat's uh, suggestion that Matt is the worst. But the Force Femme thing is probably a little far. Also, TK is there because why not? I'm not reading this one. Not for the recording. Y'all, there are way too many stories about Matt. I'm trying to find literally anything else to read that is not going to spoil Atmon or would contain a character that is not just Matt. Holy shit, nope, 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 nope. Cool, yeah, no, definitely don't need, like, Ipmon running a sex club. Nope, 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 nope. I found what would be a perfect mixture of the last filler episode I did combined with this series because it is a Mega Man Battle Network slash Digimon crossover, but it is under 1,000 words, and there are so many tags that there are almost as many words and tags as there are in words in the story, and I feel like not all of these tags can be in this Especially when we have Shinto, short one-shot, underwear fetish, introspection, Indian character, Japanese culture, fantasizing, flashbacks, food as a metaphor for love, awkward conversations, blizzards and snowstorms, angst and fluff and smut. It's All of this cannot be in there because this is under 1,000 words and you have listed 17 characters. These cannot all be happening. That is not how this works. Force feeding? Nope. If this weren't 300,000 words, you better believe I would be reading you the Dark Souls Digimon crossover that has characters listed like Joey Spence, Sir D-Bag, Gentleman Character, and it's just called... Welcome to Digital Adventures Online. Prepare to die. Kind of owns. I was going to read you My Brave Heart by Lord Bearcut because I was really intrigued by the additional tag teaching Ken what swears are and Millennium Mon fucks everything up. But this is written really badly and I, I'm sorry. I just don't think it would be that entertaining but I really love the idea of teaching Ken what swears are. That was me as a kid. I taught people what swears were.
possibly best title of the night, Secrets of Crests, Book One, College. How does this have animal transformation? How does this have Tony Stark? Kiss the Cook by Aviaria. Yamato cringed for the third time that day as he glanced down at his apron. The white cursive text, framed by frilly pink fabric, seemed to taunt him mercilessly. Kiss the cook. He could imagine it now. Ty would walk in, take one look, and burst into hysterics. He would laugh and point and hopefully stop just short of rolling on the floor, though Yamato wouldn't put it past him. But most importantly, Ty would never let him live this down. Maybe, he mused, I could take it off right before they arrive? It was a fool's hope. The kids were due to arrive any minute now, and he still had so much to do, but the thought had Yamato's fingers inching towards the drawstring. Then the timer dinged, and the eggs were done, and he had to remove them before they overcooked. Blinking, his attention shifted back to the stove. He lifted the pot of eggs and strained them before setting them aside to cool. He still needed to peel them, and start the noodles, and check on the appetizer before the patties burnt, and that wasn't even mentioning dessert. Quite frankly, he was a little too busy flitting from task to task to mind his clothes and keep them splatter-free. The apron, unfortunately, was staying. With a sigh, Yamato put on a new pot of water to boil, shaking his head. If only the mockery would be confined to Ty. They'd been best friends for years, a little hazing was inevitable. But the frilly pink apron was so different from his usual black-blue trim one that had gone missing hours prior, the others would definitely notice. Hikari, Ty's sister, would probably join in with light teasing before dropping the subject to be polite. Mimi would berate him on his fashion pawpaw, declaring that even she wouldn't wear something quite so pink. Jules would shake his head and comment how he never thought he'd see the day Yamato would break down and wear that gift, and Takaru, who'd given him that gift, would probably just watch him with a knowing, infuriating smile on his smug little face. The anticipation was almost worse than the mockery would be. A muted sizzling drew his attention away from his self-pity. The appetizers needed to be flipped. Snatching up the tongs, he returned to the soup. Schooning? I don't know. I think that might be a typo. The bite-sized chicken patties were sizzling away in the broad frying pan, filling the kitchen with a warm aroma. He breathed in deep, letting the scent ease his nerves. A quick check confirmed they were coming along nicely, their undersides darkened to a rich golden brown. He flipped them easily, reveling in each new hiss as fresh meat hit hot metal. Normally, this dish was served on skewers and grilled, but with the sheer number of people he'd be hosting, twelve kids, all their partners, whoever else decided to tag along, his oven couldn't handle the logistics of it all. Someday, he promised himself, fishing out a bowl and ingredients for the sauce. If his budding internship with NASA panned out, it would be more than wishful thinking. A bigger kitchen, an actual grill, enough space to feed two dozen people with ease. As he whisked the sugar, mirin, starch, and soy sauce together, Yamato smiled fondly. For all his griping, he did love to cook for his friends. Here he was, planning his future around them. He dipped his finger into the dark sauce for a quick taste test. The salty sweet taste rolled over his tongue. More mirin, he concluded, adjusting the recipe as the sound from the frying pan shifted, signaling they were almost done. Gathering his tongs, Yamato prodded the patties, checking their firmness and how evenly they'd browned. Satisfied, he poured the freshly whisked sauce into the pan. A burst of steam released a smoky sweetness to the air, mouth-watering. Yamato shook the pan back and forth, flipping the bite-sized meatballs to make sure they were fully coated. In a minute, they were done, and he turned to plate them. 
Two long white dishes were prepped on his island counter, waiting for the last batch. He began to stack the glazed chicken patties on the bed of romaine leaves. And then he heard the door open. Guess who's early, Mimi's voice announced, extravagant as ever, as she led the charge into Yamato's apartment. Of course they wouldn't knock, he mused. His timing was terrible. One minute later and he would have been free of his frying duties and in the safe zone to abandon his apron. He couldn't quick untie it now, not with a heavy pan in one hand and a dripping utensil in the other. And he wasn't faced toward the stove anymore, either. They'd caught him in the one minute his protective wear would be totally visible from the doorway. Great. Oh, wow, it smells amazing in here. I... What in the world are you wearing? Yamato glanced up to find Mimi, Miyako, Koshiro, and Sora, and their Digimon clustered in his entryway, shedding their fall coats and shoes. It was like they'd all stop mid-step to stare at him. Oh, hey, guys, he said offhandedly, hoping to direct conversation away from the fluffy pink elephant in the room. Did you all carpool? Koshiro's matter-of-fact yes was drowned out by Mimi's scandalized gasp. She strode forward, looking as sharp as ever in her green peacoat, shock in her eyes. Yamato Ishida, please tell me that thing does not belong to you, she said. It's hideous. Called it. It's a gift, he pitched, knowing the excuse was weak. Oh, right, from the Christmas party. Miyako nodded as Mimi put her head in her hands. Miyako slid the plate of confectionaries from her family's bakery she'd brought onto Yamato's countertop and gave him a knowing look, her voice thick with teasing. I must say, Yamato, you sure know how to pull off a look. What happened to your black one? asked Sora, who came over regularly enough to know his usual attire. He groaned. If I knew that, I wouldn't be wearing this one, would I? he said, turning to her. Sora's hair was a little bit blown, swept back from her face, and her cheeks glowed rosy from the autumn cold. In her arms, she cradled a bouquet of flowers, popping with bright yellows, reds, and oranges that perfectly matched her eyes. The beauty stole his breath away. Her eyes are yellow, red, and orange? Mom insisted I bring a bouquet for the party, she explained, hefting the flowers. Do you have a face? Oh, yeah, it's just, uh, the lower cabinet, he floundered. Thanks. Yamato looked away, his cheeks burning bright with more than just embarrassment. Picking up the conversation, Mimi regained her second wind. Well, lost apron or not, that doesn't stop this from being a fashion disaster, she said, as Palmon nodded along with her. She pulled a full-body gesture at Yamato. Where's your sensibility? Your taste? Taste? Yamato smirked. The tongs clattered in the empty frying pan as he finished plating his appetizer. Try a bite, and I think you'll see I have plenty, he advised, his free hand presenting the plate with a flourish. Mimi and Miyako gasped, staring in awe at the plate. The girls were quick to snatch up toothpicks and help themselves. Hawkmon and Palmon quickly followed suit. See? This is why it pays to get here early, Palmon commented, grinning wide. First dibs on the food! I'm gonna eat all of it, Miyako insisted, eyes shining bright. Yamato frowned. I made enough for everyone. You underestimate me, she said, already skewering three. He sighed. Just save room for the actual main course, he advised, not getting in their way. Maybe if they were successfully distracted, they wouldn't tease him about... His eyes strayed to his last guest, and that train of thought was lost. Izzy, I swear to God, if you don't put that camera away, I will smack you. Camera? Koshiro feigned innocent. Who's got a camera? I'm just texting. Click. Click. Ooh, good one, Izzy. Tentomon hovered at the redhead shoulder. I, I want to point out, I'm not the one who is switching back and forth between Japanese and English names in this. This is how it's written, and I hate it and want to die. 
Rolling his eyes, Yamato went to drop the frying pan in the sink. There, Bioman was perched by the faucet, holding the vase steady as Sora snipped at flower stems and rearranged the bouquet. Excuse me, ladies, he shouldered his way in, rinsing out the frying pan and leaving it there to soak. Sora offered him a smile. Don't let them get to you, she said. They're only teasing. He groaned. I know, he said. I just want my black one back. Gabumon probably has it, Bioman said. He's here, right? Probably sleeping? Yamato gave a jolt. Yes, Gabumon was sleeping off in his bedroom. He hadn't even thought to ask his Digimon for help. Why would Gabumon have it, he asked instead. Bioman shrugged. Smells like food, she said. And you, Sora added, as though it was the most obvious thing in the world. But you know, this apron's not so bad either. Sora plucked a thornless rose, clipping the stem short, and smiled as she tucked it behind Yamato's ear. And then, lightly on the cheek, she kissed him. When she pulled away, chatter in the room had gone quiet, and the cogs in Yamato's brain had still too. What was that? he asked, flustered. She smiled, pointing to the apron. Kiss the cook. Just following orders, she chirped, and turned to carry the bouquet to the dining table, leaving a stunned Yamato in her wake. He watched her saunter away, one hand straying up to rest on his cheek. He knew he had to be blushing. Her bold move had taken him completely by surprise. After a long second of silence, Miyako piped up. Oh, I see your game, she teased. Way to go, player. Sora, do I have to kiss him too? Bioman called after her, sounding genuinely confused. Oh, this is rich, Kushiro said, and the suspicious angle of his phone suggested he was definitely snapping more pictures. Or maybe filming, even worse. And to top it all off, the front door opened. Enter stage right, the Kamiyas. Hey, you guys start the party without us? Tai's voice filtered in as he and Hikari entered, admitting a gust of cold. The bushy-haired boy shut the door, turned around, and his eyes met Yamato's from across the room, widening in an instant. Everything froze. Then Tai's cheeks bulged, and a snigger escaped before he could slap a hand over his mouth. He excused himself, more tactful than Yamato could have ever predicted, ducking out of the apartment, but the hearty laughter echoing down the hallway was loud enough regardless. "'Tell me someone got a picture,' Hikari said, face utterly delighted. Koshiro sent her a thumbs up. Yamato laughed sarcastically as he started to take his apron off. His fan found its way to its cheek again, though, and he realized he was smiling. "'Oh, man,' Tai said once he stumbled back into the apartment half-doubled over. He pointed at Yamato, breathless. You are never living this down. Yeah, I know, Yamato smiled. He couldn't bring himself to care. Apparently my tie is Sonic the Hedgehog. I will not be reading all of Collection of Time Shenanigans by Flame of Swords, but this is just a fantastic opening chapter. The Takoya that went to the digital world wasn't Takoya. Well, it was Takoya until Takoya interfered until Takuya decided, I don't like myself, time to change history, and turned himself into someone else. So he transferred all his data to the new Takuya, and told him to be a leader, and left. And then the new Takuya did the same thing to the next Takuya, and the next Takuya, until the world was filled with too many dead Takuyas. So the universe killed him. Hey, uh, if you want the body horror story that I was working on in an actually finished form, someone has written something very similar called Age of the Binary, so go look that up. Holy shit, there are so many Battle Network Digimon crossovers, and all of them are porn. Oh my god. They're 12 at best. I'm calling the police. 
And finally, I think we will go out this time with Where Music Dwells by Mara. They'd walked by the store a dozen times or more. Koru wasn't sure why the piano caught his attention this time when it hadn't all the others, but he couldn't help the small hitch in his step as they went by. Ichijo? Godai asked, noticing as he always did. Nothing. It only took Godai an instant to look around, then grab his hand and drag him into the music store. Let's go look at it! No, I... But argument was just as useless as always when Godai was involved, and Koru found himself standing in front of a small upright piano that looked just like the one his mother still kept, while Godai bowed to the store's owner and asked permission. Go ahead, Godai said. Koru looked at him. Play it, Godai smiled. Please, I'd like to hear you. With a sigh, he gave in to the inevitable and sat. Closing his eyes, he tried to remember back to his long-ago lessons, let his muscle memory take over. Godai waited patiently, as Koru knew he would, since he was getting his way. Finally, he opened his eyes and put his hands above the keys. Although it was tempting to try something impressive and difficult, he decided on the dead-easy Furlis. The A minor and E major arpeggios flowed more smoothly than he expected. He briefly lost his way in the switch to C major and G major, but recovered swiftly. Confidence growing, he managed to make it most of the way through by memory, although he was unable to remember how it ended, and stopped as gracefully as he could. His face felt warm, and now that it was over he felt ridiculous, so he took his hands off the keys and stuffed them in his lap. Ichijo. Hmm? He stared down at the keys. That was beautiful. Godai put a hand on his cheek and gently turned his face. I've forgotten a lot. I said it was beautiful, Godai said, not letting him look away, his smile even wider than usual. Thank you for playing for me. You're welcome, he managed to say. He still felt ridiculous, but the obvious happiness on Godai's face, well, he supposed it was okay. After it was all over and Godai was gone, Karu went back to the store and bought the piano. It was, he thought with a sigh, an extravagance, especially since he'd have to pay to ship it back to Nagano soon. But he practiced every night, leaving the window open a crack, until the night a sound made him turn and there was Godai climbing through the window. Karu's fingers crashed on the keys and he couldn't move. Smiling, Godai came toward him. Keep playing. It was beautiful. He slid on the bench next to him, his warm presence enough to break Koru from his frozen state. The peach was much too easy now, but he began to play for release, sneaking glances sideways to make sure he hadn't hallucinated. Godai caught him looking and grinned. It was difficult to make it all the way to the end of the piece, but he managed. When the last note was done, he took his hands off the piano keys and held the man sitting next to him instead. They made music late into the night, but not all of it was suitable for public consumption, which was just fine with Koru and Godai. End. And with that, I think we've come to the end of this special. I believe this is probably going to be the last time I'm allowed on the show for a while. So, with that, I hope you all enjoyed. And remember, fan works are fantastic. They are a wonderful way to get practice with anything, be it writing, artwork, or whatever skill you need to train up. And there is no shame in starting from such small things. There are, after all, a few pieces of uh, fiction that I wrote still kicking around out there. I took a look before we started reading. Maybe one of them happened to be read in this episode. Maybe not. I hope you enjoy yourselves, and have a lovely week, y'all. Garrett should be back in the near future. Adios.